Amen. I'm looking for a moment with the Lord this morning. Anybody else? On a moment with the Lord here today. We are in week three of our sermon series called Christ Encounters. Uh, I believe that the church should be fun. We should have a good time coming together. We should enjoy each other's company. Church should be fun. But more than just fun, or also with fun, we should expect the presence and the power of God. Uh, It is not just a place to come and get good advice, but we want our lives to be changed with the power of Jesus Christ. If you were here last week, what a move of the Spirit last week we had from worship, um, message. It threw us all off. We put the announcements at the end. It was crazy. Naomi was freaking out in the back because we were, I uh, threw her a curveball because the Lord was with us. And, and it, it was just a fantastic time in the altars. Um, and I'm looking forward to more of it. More, I want to know, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And that is uh, what we're talking about here today and looking forward here today. Christ Encounters is one-on-one conversations that that people in the Bible got to have with Jesus. What was it like to talk just one-on-one with Jesus? And we're looking um, through six of those people who had that opportunity to have that. But also that there are, we have people in our church today that are having Christ Encounters. That Christ Encounters wasn't just 2,000 years ago, but Christ Encounters happened uh, today as well. And so, we are thankful for that. So I want to look at, we're going to have our testimony at the beginning of the message here today. I want to introduce you to my friend, Victor Ukegbu, who he teaches our adult Sunday morning class, uh, Sunday school class on Sunday morning, and he has a fantastic, uh, actually several fantastic testimonies, but one of these sharing today, I couldn't share all 12 minutes of video that I got, but um, fantastic testimony, and so let's, uh, let's see that here today. When I was um, around 21 years old, I started doing business over the Atlantic Ocean. And um, I was buying goods from Nigeria and selling them in Cameroon because the exchange rate over there is better than Nigeria. So it was more profitable, but it was a dangerous type of business because you have to go through the high sea or the part of the Atlantic Ocean to do. So one day, that was in 1991, I believe, August 13th, I believe, around 2 a.m. on the high sea, we met a tempest, a raging storm, and it was undescribable. I want to read um, a portion here in Psalm, we just tell you how we felt on that day. In Psalm chapter 107, I stumbled to this verse some years later. I didn't know them. This verse is some years later. Uh, Psalm 107, verse 23 to 32, it says, They that go down to the sea in ships, that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves, the waves thereof. They mount up in the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. 
they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm and so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they, are, they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired heaven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Uh, let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. So when I read this years later, it just summarizes what we experienced. The waves were so frightful. We thought we were dead. I have already prayed my last prayer in fright. I can't even speak because it, I couldn't speak. I was so, it was so frightening that I was just shouting the blood of Jesus, just whispering the blood of Jesus within me. You know, because I thought we were gone. Then after three successive waves like that, very uh, fierce, all of a sudden there was a calm, just like this portion described. There was a calm, and the captain of the boat said, okay, move backward, go backward, go backward. And we started moving backward until we reached an island, and we come there until they, uh, there was a daylight. And um, I, I couldn't... You know, I just prayed to God. I said, oh, thank you, Lord. So I said, since then, whenever, this is one of the things, when somebody tells me there is no God, I'll say, there is God. I have seen him done stuff for me. What a story. Uh, we have a modern day Peter and John over here, you know, uh, peace be still. And he would, he would go on to talk about that, he, he told his, a friend of his, a, a Christian friend of his, and uh, his friend said, when was this? What was the date that you were in this, this storm? And he told him the date, and he says, that night God had me praying starting at 10 o'clock and prayed the whole night through for you, and I don't know why, and this was years later, and it was that night uh, uh, that he prayed for Victor. Just an incredible story, and, there, and there's other things to it, so bother him later with the, some other details, okay? But uh, it, fantastic, and it shows us just once again, even now, this is not, you know, God didn't move just 2,000 years ago, you know? Well, God only moved, you know, with Moses and the Red Sea, right? God moves today. You can sense and you can feel the power and the presence of God today, and hopefully we can uh, do that this morning as well. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, but I'll be on the screen as well. Uh, he had different uh, directions uh, Victor was going to go <laughs> on the high seas there, and, uh, and the Lord kind of directed him which way to go. That's a little bit of what we're talking about here today as well uh, in Mark chapter 10. Starting in verse 17, it says, As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man, and this man is named the Rich Young Ruler. Okay, that's the, that's the title of this, uh, of this section where he's talking to the Rich Young Ruler. We don't know how rich, 
We don't know how young. We don't know what he ruled over, but he was a rich young ruler, okay? A man came running, running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which is a pretty good question, I think. Um, that question is even asked today. It's asked maybe a little bit of a different way. Some people ask, what happens after you die? That's a kind of a way to ask that question. Um, and so, what happens after you die? What, how must I get eternal life? Verse 18, why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. So sometimes Jesus stood up and, and, and you know, I am the Son of God, and then sometimes he kind of downplayed it. He downplayed it right there just a little bit, but he's going to show here in just a minute. Verse 19, how do I inherit eternal life? But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely or lie. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother, which is a very interesting to lump that with, <laughs> with murder and adultery. Honor your father and mother. Just a little aside there for you. Verse 20, teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. So I want us to understand exactly who we're talking about here today, okay? Who the message is for today. This was by his own right a man of God. He, this was a, a, a Jewish man who knew the law, knew the law forward and backwards. And he knew what, was, what he was supposed to do, and he knew what he wasn't supposed to do, the don'ts. He knew, he knew the do, do the do's and don't do the don'ts, right? So he was a man of God, he would consider himself, okay? So this message today, as Jesus is talking to this guy, this man of God, as he would say himself, I want us to understand who we're talking about, okay? So this message is for people who would proclaim themselves as a man or woman of God, okay? So maybe that's you here in the room, okay? So this message is for you. This isn't like for your neighbor who's not here. Oh, they need to hear this. No, no, no. This is for you, okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, this is for you. <laughs> okay? Turn back to your, that same neighbor and go, this is for me too. Okay? So this message is not for someone who's not here. This message is for you, okay? This message is for me. I've already preached this message to me five times this week, okay? So this message is for us in the room. That's who Jesus was talking to. Um, I have obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And many of us could say, I've, I've obeyed the commandments since I was, I've been a Christian all my life, Jesus, okay? Verse, chapter 10, verse 21. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. I'm going to get back to this in just a second. Well, we've got to kind of start from this point right here. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Wow, Jesus, anything else? I mean, goodness gracious. Do I need to make you a cup of coffee as well? I mean, what's going on here? Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, okay? Don't even put it up in a bank somewhere. Give it to the poor, and then come follow me. That's quite the standard there, Jesus. That, that, that's quite a lot that you're asking of this rich young ruler, okay? Goodness gracious, that is, that is a lot of stuff that you're asking me to do. Go sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, then come follow me, you will have treasure in heaven. 
that is an amazing standard. Now, some preachers, then, when they preach this message, this is the part of the message where they kind of give the audience a little bit of an out. And they'll say, now, God's not asking you to sell everything and then go live under a bridge or something, okay? That's, you, you, you know, okay. Okay, I'm not going to tell you what God is going to tell you or not going to tell you to do, okay? Uh, that, that's not for me to tell you. That is for you and God to talk about what you need to give up or not give up. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm going to tell you what happened to this young man. So this guy right here, this amazing standard was asked of him, and sometimes we read that and we go, well, you know, that's, he didn't mean that. He was just, it was a test, right? It was a test just to see if he would do it. He didn't mean to actually do those things. And I think, really? Because I think he did. I think he meant exact, or he said exactly what he meant. Because if you think about it, what, how is that any different than what he just asked the disciples to do? There are 12 men who are following Jesus who have left everything to follow him. You've got Peter, and you've got James, and John, and Andrew, and they had this fishing business, and they had their parents that they were working with and for, and Jesus says, drop your nets, I'm, we're gonna look for, we're, I'm going to make you fishers of men, come and follow me. What did they do? They dropped the business, they left mom and dad, they left everything, and they followed him. You look at Nathaniel, you look at Philip, you look at Thaddeus, you look at both Judases. There are 12 men who left everything and followed Jesus. You even look at a guy named Matthew. What was Matthew's occupation? He was a tax collector. In that time, we've already talked about Zacchaeus, they were very wealthy men at that time. He walks up to Matthew's tax collecting booth and says, why don't you leave that and follow me? And the crazy guy says, okay. He left his business and he followed Jesus. This notion that, well, he was just testing the rich young ruler. He asked it of 12 others and they said yes. Why wouldn't he mean it here? Not only that, there's those 12 men. Did you know that there are some crazy people even today that God will tell them to sell their house, sell their car, sell their furniture, get rid of all their stuff, pack up whatever belongings you want in 10 suitcases, and fly to another country for the sole purpose of telling other people about Jesus? And some of those weirdos say yes. What in the world is wrong with these people? And some of those people, most of those people, don't go to posh places like the Netherlands either, okay? They go to some tough spots. One of the cool things about MTMR, which was kind of the missionary training, all the missionaries that were going to go out, we would converge before we all went out for meetings in Springfield. And so it was really cool to meet all the other missionaries of, you know, where are you going and what are you going to do there? And it was just, just this little community of missionaries about to be sent out. And we had just great conversations, met, met fantastic people. And I was walking through the lobby, and there were two missionary couples that were standing and they were talking to each other. And I just overheard a part of their conversation as I was walking by. And so this missionary looks down at, at the other missionary's daughter, who was probably about five years old, and he kind of kneels down a little bit and says, says to her, so where are you going to live? And I overhear this just as I'm walking by. 
And this little girl with so much joy and excitement, she says, we're going to live in Somalia. (laughs) And I thought, Oh my goodness, she has no idea the future that she has in front of her. I've checked back with them a little bit, and ministry is great. They're doing wonderful. When some people sell their house and sell their car and move, they're not just moving themselves, they're taking their families, including five-year-old children. They're getting rid of everything they know just to follow So is this request that he's asking this rich young ruler, is it any different than what he's asked disciples and what he asks of missionaries and what he asks of anyone else here today? Listen, we love having one-on-one conversations with Jesus. We love having the conversation, the Zacchaeus conversation, that says that no matter what you've done, God still accepts you. We like those conversations with Jesus. We like the conversation, uh, like we heard last week with the leper, where I need deliverance, or, or I need saving, or, or I need this, and healing, and, and let's have a one-on-one conversation so he can heal me. We like conversations about acceptance and about healing. We don't like conversations about sacrifice as much. But if we're going to have one-on-one conversations with Jesus about acceptance and about deliverance, we're going to have some conversations about sacrifice. We're going to have some conversations about sacrifice. Because he looked at that rich young ruler. And sometimes he's going to say to him what he, or he's going to say to you what he said to him. There is something standing in the way between you and eternal life with God. I understand that you're living a, a cushy life right now and, and, and you're sleeping in the best sort of mattress that's out there and all this kind of stuff, but you're not going to like the afterlife very much, okay? You're not going to like uh, uh, the afterlife. So if there's something between you and God, you need to get rid of it. You need to rip that out of your life. In this man's case, it was stuff. It was wealth, and it was things, okay? It was, and sometimes that can get in the way of us and God. And listen, we've, we do all the do's, and we don't do all the don'ts, but there's something between us and God that we are holding on to for dear life because we care about that, and God says, rip that out because it's either that or it's me. It's either that or it's me. And listen, he loved with a genuine love this rich young ruler. This was not one of those situations where Jesus like owned the man. You know what I'm saying? Like those you know, videos on YouTube where they own the libs or whatever. You know, it's, not like, it's not like Jesus was, well, you lack one thing and that's sell everything. And all his disciples were like, oh, Jesus. No, no, no. Like that's not what happened, Okay. He did not own the guy. This was Jesus lovingly telling him, I understand that you, you, you do what the law has said. You stay away from the things that the law has stayed away from. But I'm here to tell you that you, you are choosing things, no matter how high the pile is, you're choosing things over me 
and you're not going to inherit eternal life, which is the question that you're asking, if you keep choosing this over me. And so God loves you so much that he will ask for that one thing that you care so deeply about, more so than Christ, to get that out of your life. It's not to stop you from having fun. It's not to be mean. It's not to be... He loves you so much to say, get rid of that. Because if you don't get rid of that, if you don't get rid of the, the stuff in your life, that you love more than me, you're not going to be in eternal life one day. And the thing is, it's temporary stuff. Does anybody in here have the iPhone 5? No, you don't. But when it first came out, did you have to have it? Absolutely. This temporary, the stuff you have, you're not even going to like it next year. Why do you have it? That shirt that you just bought and you love it and, oh, it's my favorite. I promise you, you won't like it next year because it makes you look weird. I don't know. The stuff that we have is temporary. You love your car. You want another one in a couple of years. You love your house. Oh, we've got to fix this up. It, the stuff you have is temporary. But how often do we choose this temporary stuff that we love today and will hate tomorrow and we choose that over an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. Looking at it like this, now I look back and I think, <laughs> the rich young ruler should have said, that's all I have to do? <laughs> it's kind of flipped, isn't it? That's, uh, wait a minute, all I have to do to, to inherit eternal life is to sell all this junk that I'm not going to like tomorrow anyway? and then follow you for free, and I live in an eternal life with you, I accept your terms. <laughs> I accept your terms. He loved him. Think about this. He was asking the rich young ruler to follow him. What miracles did the rich young ruler miss out on because he chose to love his things? more than Jesus. He could have been standing there when Lazarus walked out of the grave. He could have been in the room after Jesus had died and resurrected and then just appeared and said, here, come touch my side. He could have been there when Jesus was standing on that mountaintop and teaching his one last lesson and then all of a sudden ascends into heaven. He could have been in the room when the Holy Spirit fell. He could have been a part of the small group of people that started the launch of the church. But instead, he held on to his things? What miracles, what amazing things will we miss out on if we choose stuff instead of following the Lord. Verse 22. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. This one-on-one -on -one conversation with Jesus could have and should have changed his life. But he chose 
things over a relationship with the Son of God. Sometimes you've got to say things out loud. Like sometimes when we're tempted with stuff, it's all kind of in our head, but then when we say it out loud, it doesn't make any sense. Jesus, I choose to watch the things on the internet over you, Jesus. I like those things more. Um, Jesus, I'm going to choose to go to the lake over worshiping you today. Jesus, um, uh, this bad relationship, I like this relationship more than you, so I'm going to stick with it. Another way to say it is, Jesus, I know that you know what is best for me, but I'm going to choose to reject that and stay in this awful relationship where I hate myself. Say it out loud. When when it's in your head, it kind of sounds like a good idea. When you say it out loud, have you ever said something out loud, you had a great idea, and then as it's coming out, you're like, get back in. That sounds dumb. But say it out loud, and it doesn't sound as appealing. I choose this temporary thing that I'm going to hate tomorrow over a lifelong relationship with the Son of God and his presence and his power. Verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, this is kind of a teaching moment here, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? This amazed them. But Jesus said once again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So for those of us, or for those who, who either have a lot of money, you would, some would consider them rich, or whether you're rich physically or you're rich in mind, which is to say that I am always thinking about money, 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 this verse needs to jump out to you and stick in your brain here for a second. Because this whole sermon is not about money necessarily. It's about what is, keep, what is between you and God. But this verse is about money. Okay, It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. This should put our antennas up. Okay, God, are you talking to me here? Whether, whether you're physically rich or you're rich in mind, as in that's all I think about, I need to kind of take pause on that. Do I care more about money and stuff than I care about the Lord? Verse 26, the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved. I I think we have this idea that if you're rich, that you have it completely all together. And you know, somehow money also makes you smart. And that, I I don't know. I'm thinking out loud right now. That's not here. I don't, I I don't, you know, I don't get it. it, Okay. (laughs) When I get it, I'll come back and I'll tell you. Okay, right now I don't get it. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Verse 28, Peter, he says something good, and he reiterates my first point. Then Peter began to speak up, we've given up everything to follow you. And they have. There were 12 people standing right there that literally did what Jesus asked the rich young ruler, and sometimes we think that's ridiculous. And 12 people said, we said yes, we're here for you, we're following you. 
Verse 29, yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you, listen to this, okay? Jesus replied, I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news, they will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with persecution. Let's add that. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. So not only are you giving up stuff for Jesus, God says, I'm going to replace that stuff with better stuff and more stuff. If you could just get your hands off of what you built for yourself or what you made or what you brought, if you could just take your hands off of that and accept the relationship with me, not only do you get me, but you get heaven with everything times a hundred of this stuff. When you think of it like that, it's a no-brainer, but the other way. It's a no-brainer. Verse 31, but many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. Many who are seen as the wealthiest and the most power and the smartest and the best looking and the whatever, whatever. No matter how high your stuff is piled up. Right now, they seem like the greatest. But in the day to come, they will be the least. Those of us who are, some would say, poor in spirit and poor in this and whatever else, Those who seem least important now will be greatest then. You have to think beyond today. You have to think beyond this lifetime. There is life after life. And if there's life after life, then that life counts more than this life. So what does it matter how much stuff you have? It matters who you follow. Trading something good for something infinitely great is not really sacrifice. We think it is. God, you want, me to, you want me to give up my talent? You want me to give up my ambition? You want me to give up the promotion? You want me to give up? Why do you want me to give this up? Because you're trading something good for something infinitely great. Temporarily okay infinitely awesome it's not really sacrifice if you look at it like that so absolutely I'm going to give this up I'm not telling you what to give what to do the point of the message is say what is God asking you to give up what kind of an awful pastor would I be if I didn't tell you if there's something between you and God then you're not going to eternal life with God it doesn't matter all the do's you did and all the don'ts you didn't do If you are harboring something between you and God, rip it out. Rip it out. It's not worth it. You're not going to want it tomorrow anyway. Rip it out. So now it's time. If you would stand this morning, it is time to have maybe, maybe, at least it sounded like at the beginning of the message, a tough conversation about sacrifice. Now, I don't know. How is it not a no-brainer? 
We're going to have a one-on-one conversation with Jesus. We've already talked about with Zacchaeus acceptance. We've talked about with the leper. We've talked about deliverance. And now it's time to talk about sacrifice because you're going to have these conversations. We've got three more weeks as well. We've got more conversations to come. But right now, today, again, I'm talking to church people, men and women of God, those people who do the do's and don't do the don'ts. I'm talking to you. Is there something between you and God? It is time to sacrifice it on this altar. It is time to give it up. So if you would, find a place to pray. One, two, three, go. Everybody, you at least have to ask the question, God, is there something between me and you? Ready? Move. Find a place to pray. Just ask the question, God, is there something between me and you? Am I, do I consistently choose this over you? And if so, God, rip it from my hands because I want to follow you. I want what you have. You understand sacrifice. You gave up your home to come down with us, to live with us, to die on a cross, to resurrect, to make a place for us in heaven. You understand sacrifice. You're not asking us anything different than what you have already done yourself. So God, speak to us this morning. Speak to us this morning and rip out anything, anything that is between you and us. Help us, Lord. Hallelujah. One of the last, uh, I guess, memories that I have of my grandfather on my mother's side uh, passed away 13, 14 years ago is that um, after the funeral, uh, some, some time after the funeral, <clears throat> our, our pastor or his pastor, uh, Rod Loy, was telling me about, about my grandfather that about six weeks before he passed, he felt his time was coming soon. And so he um, made an appointment with his pastor and said, uh, said, I I feel my time is coming soon. And he said, I want you to ask me anything you want about my life because I want to make sure that I'm ready to go. And he was a, he was a man that, that some would consider wealthy. And he, uh, he said, I, I want to make sure I'm going. I, I'll do whatever. <laughs> I'll do anything. And he says, ask me. Ask me personal questions. Because I want to know I'm ready. I don't want anything to stand between me and God. And so it was a um, privilege to be one of the speakers at the funeral to say thank you for a, a, a life lived for Christ. I didn't know that story until after, but it just makes me think, uh, I don't want anything to stand between me and God because it's real. It's real. There is an afterlife. 
There is a heaven and there is a hell. <clears throat> and I want to make sure. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your sacrifice that made a way for our salvation. God, I thank you for those who are here in the room, those who are watching online as well. I'm thankful for their life. Of They, they do the right things. They, they try to stay away from the not right things. God, if there's something between us, even as simple as things, a pile of money or, or an ambition or whatever it is, if there's something between us, God, rip it away. Rip it out of our hands, God. Rip it out of our hands. We want to follow you. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. God, rip that away from me, Lord. I want to follow you with all my heart. I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. What would we do without your word, God? Thank you for your word this morning. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I love you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. See you later.